Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Across the Tracks podcast. It is the end of May, um, post-Memorial Day, and uh, we're here live on the broadcast tonight. Uh, Hope everyone had an enjoyable Memorial Day, um, remembering those, especially remembering those who made the ultimate sacrifice for this nation. And, you know, we we tend to um, sometimes overlook look that aspect and we congratulate everyone for their service but memorial days especially about those who made the ultimate sacrifice for this nation so we're here it's post memorial day the cross the tracks podcast i'm wayne and i'm steve welcome back welcome back yeah we're back we are back so what do we got going on this evening hey well tonight we got a got a few topics um for this evening's uh episode uh, we want to talk about the Gabe Kapler and his um, national anthem protest. He's a manager for the San Francisco Giants, Major League Baseball team, and uh, he has decided to not take the field during the national anthem um, because he is not pleased with the way the country is is going. And so we want to delve into that. Uh, we also want to uh, talk about the mass shootings uh, that have taken place here two weeks in a row. We've had uh, two mass shootings. We talked about the Buffalo shooting uh, when we were live in the basement here a couple of weeks ago, and we yep. just had another uh, mass shooting um, last week. So want to talk about that and then uh, wrap up the broadcast uh, since you were live and in person at the Indy 500 this week, some reflections on that experience. So that's what we got going on tonight. All right, all right, all right. So, um, gonna be interesting. I I think that it may not be a long broadcast, but I think we'll touch on a few topics that may Absolutely. may spar the interest of a few folks. But uh, we're gonna say it the way that we uh, see it, and we'll just move on from there. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Let's let's uh, let you lead it off and talk about uh, Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, Gabe Kapler. So um, not a lot of people are talking about this um, in the sports world, uh, but in lieu of the the mass shootings we've had and um, some other things that are going on in the country, the direction of the country, uh, Mr. Kapler has decided that he will not take the field. Uh, during the national anthem, uh, when the clubs come out during baseball games, both teams line up for the national anthem. Uh, he is not going to come out onto the field. Uh, that is his protest uh, because he is displeased with the way the country is going. So, granted, um, again, no one's really talking about this, uh, but some folks have brought up um what is the difference between his protest per se, or is there a difference between his protest and that of Colin Kaepernick a few years ago when he took a knee uh, to protest police brutality and the way that black people are policed in this country? So he took a knee. He did come onto the field. He just took a knee during the anthem. So the discussion is, is there a difference? Um, do you support um, Mr. Kapler's stance, or should the should the the rhetoric be just as loud as it was when Colin Kaepernick made his stance? Um, you know, people were calling him everything but a child of God. Uh, uh, the president instigated a lot of the former president instigated a, a lot of the the animosity toward him and his stance. So uh, we'll, we'll start it there. What What is your thoughts now that you're aware of this? Uh, what What is your thoughts? And is there any similarity between this gentleman's protest and Colin Kaepernick? Well, let's go back uh, a few years, you know, post Colin uh, Kaepernick and how the NFL uh, went through several gyrations on how to deal with that. Because if you remember, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, decided that they were not going to come out for the national anthem. Correct. And they were going to stay inside during the anthem. And then one of their offensive linemen, uh, Villanueva, who had been a U.S. Army veteran, decided that he was going to go and stand in the tunnel prior to while while the national anthem was going on which made mike tomlin look like he was the bad guy 
and the miscommunications between Villanueva and uh, the head coach and the other players was uh, kind of a tense time period for the Steelers. And then you had people like the the um, owner of the Dallas Cowboys who literally came out and the whole team took a knee one time. And then thereafter, he says that, you know, you will stand with your helmet under your left arm and your right hand on, over your heart and you will stand for the national anthem. So he basically said, you're going to do this or you're not going to be on my you're not going to be on my team. Right. So he put pressure on them. And uh, a personal note, which I would mention, I had mentioned earlier before, is that I coached football for 30 years. And of those 30 years, 27 of them was at the varsity level. And never in the probably 300 games that we played in that time period, that's just varsity, not including the JV, not including the freshman that I that I coached in JV for a couple of years or whatnot. Never did were we on the field for the national anthem. Mm. The national anthem was always played while we were inside the locker room just prior to us coming out and starting the game. And that had always been that way at the school that I coach. So I think the the head coach at the time, the head coaches at the time, felt that it would it was kind of awkward for what what do the kids do when they're there? These are high school, you know, <laughs> 15, 16, 18 year old, 19 year old kids. And are they gonna be picking their nose? Are they gonna be looking around? You know, are they going to be, you know, there's no telling what they're going to, what they do. And, or you don't know what the coaches are going to do. Right. You know, um, because, you know, do people stand with their hand over their heart? Or do they stand with their hands behind their back or hands to their side? Uh, if you remember, um, uh, President Obama caught a whole bunch of flack by saying that he didn't have his hand over the heart when they played the national anthem. Right, right. You know, which, you know, to me, I have never put my hand over my heart during the national anthem. I just haven't. You know, I've put my hand behind my back, my hands on my sides, whatever. Right, right. Uh, during the Pledge of Allegiance, I put my hand over the heart and so on. So Gabe Kapler, if he feels that's what he feels, if he feels that's what he wants to do, then let him do that, you know? Uh, it, it's it's um, if he feels that the country is going in a different direction, you know, why should I stand for an anthem in which, you know, the country is being divided over over stuff that it, it shouldn't be divided over. So right. we've become right. we've become either you're with us or you're with the other guys. There's nothing in between. Right. And it's literally tearing the country apart. Right, right. And uh, it's a shame that that this is going on because some people some people are happy that they can stand up and say, you know, this is my stance on this or whatnot, regardless of their feelings on the country, how the country's going and so on. So if he feels like he wants to do that, the more power to him. Yeah, and yeah. and as as I said uh, a little bit before, the the easiest thing to do is like the high school kids do. Most high school, I, I think, the majority of high school football players, not basketball, because you know basketball is a country, a uh, uh, country club sport indoors. Right. You know right. the weather's nice. You know everybody can be in their shorts and stuff like that. You know football, you don't get everything. It's gonna be hot. It's going to be cold. It's going to be raining. It's going to be sleeting. It's going to be snowing. You get everything. Okay. So um, football has always kind of been that way, except at the professional level. And only, I think, Wayne, only recently in the past, probably 30, uh, probably 40 years or so, has professional athletes 
been on the court during right. the national anthem. Right, right. The the NFL didn't used to be out during the national anthem. They've only done that probably since the early eighties, maybe. So, you know, it's it's be the national anthem has become a political thing. Right, right. You know, well, so and 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 uh, Mr. Kapler, his his view is and his stance is, you know, we meaning America, you're not living up to your creed, you know, which is his stance. He's like, no, the country's not living up to its creed. You know, there's, as you said, there's too much divisiveness and and other foolishness going on. And he says, you know, we're not living up to our creed, what we're supposed to be. So he is like, I'm, I'm not coming out. I'm not going to stand. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so um, a bit different than than Kaepernick. Kaepernick, uh, you know, his his stance was a bit different. Uh, but again, it's his right, you know, to to this country was born out of protest. That's what that's what I don't get, man. People are always getting hyped up. This country was born out of protest. So, you know, there there's always going to be someone who wants to take a stand. And if this is his way of of shining a light on what he feels, somebody needs to do say something and do something because we are we're we're going to hell in a handbasket, man. Going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. yeah so, we, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I said we've gone to hell. Yeah, we yeah we've gone. Not going. Yeah, we're we're gone. yeah, we're gone. You're right. We're we've gone. So <laughs> my here, here's a question. So, um, why do we play the anthem before sporting events anyway? I mean. Why do we, why, why, why? <laughs> That's a good question. And I would, you know, we, we may have to look and see when and why that started. And when it, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, I think probably the forties, hmm. you know, because of world war two, maybe. Um, I mean, in, or in the fifties or sixties, we'll have to look and see. Huh. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't understand why we have to play it either. Yeah, it's I, just become a tradition now yeah. that has, that has um, been made part of sporting events. You know, I mean, when when do you clap? You mean some some parts when the national anthem is played, people don't clap. Right. You know, say that it's during a memorial service or something. People don't clap during a memorial service, but they play the national anthem. Right. You know, right. I mean, they play the national anthem, you know, they're, they're laying somebody to rest or whatever, you know, in, in his military uniform or whatnot or something like that. People don't clap because it's, you know, it's a somber time. But right. yet at sporting events, you know, Everybody cheers, you know, the national anthem. All right, yeah, everybody claps, and then <laughs> off we go. We're playing yeah, the game. You play know, ball. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the, the anthem itself, when you do it when you don't do it, you know, it, it's ambiguous. Okay? It's ambiguous on should you clap or not? Should you put right. your hand over your heart or not? Right. So, like everything else, you know, it's it's a choice. Yeah. You know, I, I feel more comfortable not putting my hand over my heart yeah. during the national anthem, especially when you know that the national anthem, <laughs> if you know the second <laughs> stanza, right, that right. it's dealing with going out and killing black folks. Right. Really? Right. That's right. like that's like standing doing playing of my old Kentucky home. Oh, oh hell no. Gosh, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Black folks, you know, we just don't do that. Right. You know, we some people don't know about it, but yeah, Stephen Foster, <laughs> you yeah. know, he was one of them guys. Yeah, and it wasn't what, gosh, it was what several years. I mean, it's been several years ago when the state of Kentucky changed the lyrics to that song because of the the some of the language in there. They were they were forced because people were making an issue of it. Like you need to change the lyrics to the song, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and we we sang that song uh, oh, in man. school and stuff. Yeah, and, and we didn't we didn't know, know right. We didn't know what we were singing. It wasn't until we got out and got a little bit of education <laughs> that we like, what the hell? We've been singing this for years. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's it's amazing. And 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 
once again, that education that we that we got, you know, growing up through the uh, uh, in, in, in E-Town independent school system, you know, it's uh, it was great. But as you get older, you learn certain things that, right. you know, like, wow. That's that's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at the time, you know, you're in music class with Mrs. Smith. Yeah. And Mrs. Smith said, we're going to sing, you know, this song. And we wow. sang that song and she played it on the piano yeah. and we sang it. And they gave us a little, you know, uh, uh, hymnals to follow and so yeah. on. So, yeah. you know, it was just we did it and not thinking anything about it. Little you know, it's, it's, that's like when <laughs> I don't know if you remember this or not. But when we were at E-Town High School and we gathered in the commons area and they sang Christmas songs, you know, <laughs> and whenever they sung White Christmas, we always said Black Christmas. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't not. remember that. Yeah, man. I, remember, I remember me, Bushead, and uh, 6-4, we always, <laughs> and Johnny, JC, yeah. we always said Black Christmas and no one really collect, corrected us on it, but we said it. <laughs> wow, yeah, I don't remember that one. Because but... I think Mrs. Volneck, you remember Mrs. Volneck? Yeah, I remember Mrs. Volneck, yeah. She she came over and said, you guys shouldn't be singing that. And we just kept singing it. We kept saying it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing what you don't learn until you, you know, get out and about and realize, like, we've been singing this or we've been, this is what the meaning of this is and whatnot. I mean... It's amazing. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, I I I must say I, I I side with Mr. Kapler, and uh, you know we'll see how uh, if if his stance if it spurs anybody to action, um, you know I think that's a good point to segue to our next topic was, which is you know he's his protest was born out of the fact that you know he's basically sick and tired of, you know these mass shootings the divisiveness in the country so. We just had another mass shooting, uh, Uvalde, Texas. Uh, really sad. I think this one. I don't know about you, but this one, this one stings a lot more because little kids were involved. You know, little, little kids who were just starting out, their lives just starting out, and they're gunned down. You know, uh, just senselessly gunned down, and and so uh, that's his protest was born from that. So. I, I don't know where we go, man. I, I don't see I don't see anyone taking any action to do any meaningful uh, work with gun control in this country. People just they're not going to allow it. They they are they are not going to to do anything to um, you know change the way that uh, you know gun control is viewed in this country. I just don't see it happening. So they're going to debate, they're going to talk, they're going to pray, and everything and and. Mark my word, we'll probably be here a couple more weeks because there'll be another shooting somewhere. So it's yep. it's it's depressing. So yep, yep, yep. And and you know, this one is supposed to be different. It's no different than if you remember Columbine. You know, Columbine students were killed. Yeah. And as far as um people getting upset there was a lot of people upset because it was amazing it was it was dramatic in the fact that these kids killed their friends yep. killed their classmates and then you go to sandy hook and this guy kills you know 26 yep. first and second graders and their and six teachers you know and it, and then you have it happen again, and you have it happen again, and you have it happen again. You have it happen in Parkland, you know, yeah. in Florida, and then you have it happen in um, uh, in, in in Texas again. Um, and as long as the National Rifle Association has these weak ass congressmen, mostly Republicans and a couple of Democrats. By their pocketbooks, nothing will ever change, you know, because 
they say, well, it's not the gun that, that's killing people. It's the people that are pulling the triggers to the gun. Well, the gun is the instrument that's that's doing it. Right. Okay. Without someone pulling the trigger, the weapon is the weapon. All right. And the thing that gets me is the fact that the, the Second Amendment basically says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be abridged. Well, let's look at the first part of that. It says a well-regulated militia. It doesn't say a well-unregulated militia. It doesn't say a well-carry freely militia, it says regulated, meaning that the government has the right to regulate the militia. Now, when when the Second Amendment was written back in the 1700s, now everybody was considered part of the militia. You know, everybody had a gun that they went hunting with. Right. And during the time of the revolution, you know, people said, I'm going to go and help save the country as long as my crops are, are being harvested. Okay. So a real regulated militia should be that, meaning that you should be able to have some type of gun control. From 1994 until 2004, guess what wasn't sold in America? Assault weapons. Assault weapons. So assault weapons were regulated. Yep. All yep. right. And then George W. Bush comes in and he goes, well, I'm just going to let that ex expire. And by letting it expire, guess what? People started buying them. Yep. Well, he's going to, he's in, in, in 2008, you know, when uh, Obama became the president then suddenly we got to go buy up all these things because you know what the National Rifle Association said? Boy, I tell you what, if a Democrat ever becomes president of the United States, they're going to take your guns away. You yeah, know? So, and then there's a rush to go and buy these things. Okay? And so, therefore, the Republican Party, I'm going to call it out like it is, they are afraid to say, we're going to regulate these guns and and 85 to 90 percent of america wants some type of gun regulation some That's type right. of background checks yep. some type of red flag laws as they call yep. it you, know, you got some crazy guy that's, that can go out there and buy a gun or whatever uh, a weapon then they should be able to do that and i don't they're, you know, they're meeting right now. They're talking about what they can come up with. Whatever they come up with, the Republicans are going to say, well, you know, this is this is what we can do because it's a slippery slope. Because once you take one of our guns away, they're going to take all of our guns away. You know, the kind of horse shit that they yeah. always <laughs> spew out there, you know. And you get stupid ass people like Rafael Cruz who will say one thing, as we say, as Cameo would say, talking out both sides of his neck. That's right. You know, so he would say one thing one time and then say something else different. Marco Rubio is the same way. There's yep. something about those fucking Cubans. Yeah. You know, they both talk out the side of their neck. Yeah. You know, just saying. Yeah, you're right. They, uh, they, they have been on, on the record making stupid statements on, on this particular issue. I think the other day a British reporter uh, had cornered Cruz and asked him, mm -hmm. you know, why does the why do these mass shootings only occur in your country? You know, and he's like, well, you know, you're 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 just he didn't say you're mad at our American exceptionalism, but it was something like, like well, you know, America is a, is an exceptional place, and the British reporter said, "Yes, yeah, it's, it's exceptional, all right, because these mass shooters only happen only in happen your own country, right?" Yeah, yeah, and, and wow. the other the other throwback is that you're going to politicize, you know, these people being killed. 
Well, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to politicize it because these people keep getting killed. Right. right. And and it, it 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 doesn't seem to phase these people when even one of their own got shot. I mean, you remember Steve Scalise got oh, shot. Yeah. There was that, yep. that softball, baseball, whatever they had. That didn't phase them. And and when little kids are being gunned down, you would think that would that would phase you in some way, but it, it doesn't phase these people, man. Yeah. Because they 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 are being bought and paid for by the gun lobbies, and yeah. uh, they, they, that's the bottom line. And yeah. so I would be very surprised if these people come up with anything. And they'll they'll be heeing and hawing here for the next several weeks. And you watch, there'll be another shooting. Yeah. There'll be another shooting. The Republicans so, are definitely pro-life. Yeah. They oh do, yeah. They, they believe they believe that boy before you can have an abortion, you have to save that life. But once that baby pops out, yeah. they don't give a shit about yeah. you. Yep. That is the, uh, you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned that. That is the gist of, of one of the skits that George Carlin did. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you have to go out and check out this I, I, I've George. Seen, I've seen it. Oh, my. I'll, I'll have to watch it. But he says exactly that. He's like, he's like, I'm so sick of these, uh, I'm so sick of these pro-life people. He's like, they're only concerned about you. You know, if you're an embryo until until you're until you're born, they really care a whole hell of a lot about you. But once you come out of that womb and you're here, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and that is that is the truth. Yep. They they care so much about life, but you you're perfectly okay with little kids being gunned down in their classroom, and you don't want to take action to stem that. Uh, but you're 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 pro life. You're pro life. Don't want to wear a mask, but you're pro life. You know, it, it's sickening, man. And so that's why Mr. Kapler's taking a stance he has. It's like we we are we are messed up. We are we are we are messed up in this country, man. Big time. Yep. Big time. Yeah, there's there's nothing that's there's nothing that's holding the that's holding us together. Oh, no. You know. Uh, there, there's nothing that nothing can at this point hold the country together because some people are afraid that they're going to lose their prestige. Yep. Some people are afraid that, you know, I don't I don't remember back in the 70s and 80s or you well, it started about the 90s, about 94 when we had Newt Gingrich and that that mess that he started, you know, um uh, I can't think of it right now. But 70s and 80s, the Democrats and Republicans, they had ideological differences, but as congressmen and senators and so on, they got along. Yep. You know, they would, you know, have their pitch battles over certain topics and so on. And that night they were out, you know, hanging out in Georgetown, you know, slapping one another on the back and going out and going to dinner and stuff. Now, you can't say that you agree with anything that's Democratic or Republican. You just nope. you just can't. Nope. You know, nope. well, let's let's put it this way. I'm going to change that just a little bit. If you are a Republican, you better not say anything positive about any Democrat. OK, that's true. I believe and, that. Yes. And, and, and Democrats are so soft that. They'll think that the Republicans have their back on certain yeah. things, and they don't. Nope. You know, the Democrats don't have any balls. <laughs> that's they don't. Putting it, that's putting it plain. They don't have any balls, man. They're yeah. chicken shit. They're afraid. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. afraid of the next national election. Yeah. And therefore, they they are walking on eggshells simply because they don't want to lose the next national election. That's why all these state uh, legislatures are all Republicans, yep. mostly. Yep. You know, yep. and the state of the state of Indiana, you know, I've said this before, they're trying their damnedest to become a Confederate state. <laughs> they are. I mean, wow. I'm I'm gonna say some of my friends don't call this Indiana. They call it Clandiana. Wow. And Clannanapolis. 
okay, because of all the craziness, man, because uh-huh. of all the craziness. You know, I, I, I'm, when we get to the race, I'll, I'll tell you a couple stories that go along with this okay. that, that we just we're mentioning. It, it was it was shameful. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But anyway. Huh. Well, it uh, we'll we'll wait and see. You know, they they're supposed to be having some discussions and see if they can find a path forward to some type of sensible legislation on on guns. But we've we've heard this before, and you know, it's enough is enough. People are tired, man. People are tired of waking up every day. Uh, yeah. You know, and if it, you know. So many I mean, besides the mass shooting in Texas, man, they had other shootings around. Yeah, the, yeah. These, the, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, man, that we are this. We have this issue uh, in this country with with gun violence. I, yeah. I don't I don't get it, man. The only way to stop a bad guy with the gun is to have a good guy with a gun. Yeah. Well, yeah. guess what? There's a good guy with a gun in Buffalo inside the Tops grocery store and the good guy got killed. Yep. Yep. And okay. the and the and the good guys at the school uh, they didn't go in. <laughs> didn't go in. The good guys said, "I got an AR-15 up right. in there. Am I going up in there?" Right. They they didn't go in. So you this know, is, is good good guy crap. It's please. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please. An excuse. Yeah. It's yeah. an excuse. It's like, an excuse. Like assholes. Everybody has one, right? Yep. It's a it's an excuse. So. Yep. It, it is a sad state of affairs we we find ourselves in. So uh, let's let's segue to uh, to our last topic, and that is you're out at the racetrack on uh, Monday and Sunday. Or Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah, uh, yeah. to take in the Indy 500 at the at the Brickyard, and so you know, share some reflections or you know ex- what was the experience like? I mean, you've been there before. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's always good. We, we were there, we came up, uh, and did the time trials and, and saw how fast those cars really are in person. It was really cool to see that. Uh, we talked a bit about that on the last broadcast, but you were there for the actual race. So, uh, your, your reflections on, uh, that experience, sir. Yeah. I, like I've gone to race ever since 1990. Okay. And so we're talking 32 years of going to the 500 and also watching the 500 since I was a little kid in E-Town. Wow. I always watched it. I always watched the Daytona 500. Wow. And so this year's experience was a, a little bit different than the past simply because I had a feeling that there's going to be a lot of people there. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So normally in the past couple years, we've, we've taken off from our house uh, at about uh, probably six thirty quarter to seven to get to our parking, our parking spot. Well, seeing that this year during the time trials, I saw the stands were just packed with people. I said, there's going to be a lot of people here. So there was estimated that maybe, maybe 300,000 people would wow. be, be there at the race. Wow. So we decided, well, I decided, I'm the old, old, old head. I decided that we have to leave by 6 a.m. to get to our spot simply because, you know, it, it may be taken. And so, we headed out at 6 a.m. You know, it was, it was, you know, the Johnson family, you know, Alex and Maria, his fiance, and Broderick and Danny, his wife, and Stephanie, and myself. We jumped in two cars. I took my little portable grill out there, and we we got it in our spot, and um, got there and unhooked everything, and we had bacon and eggs and. Ellie May made some biscuits before we went. Wow. Okay. And we had juice and coffee, and we we just kind of sit around and tailgated for probably three three and a half hours, maybe. Wow. Wow. And uh, some we we kind of see some of the same people kind of parking in the same area. The guys we we park on the street outside this one guy's house who rents his house out, 
and he always comes in from from Avon and we talk to him for a little bit and there's somebody that comes in from Murray, Murray, Kentucky. He parks on the same street. So we kind of see the same people. But when we headed into the track and, um, you know, it was probably um, um, probably less, a little less than a mile to get to the entrance in which, you know, you went to uh, when you were up. Right. On our way there, as we were crossing the street, now this is something that if I was in my old self, I would have probably said something. And so we go across we go across 16th Street. There's a roundabout there. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but remember that. in the middle of a roundabout, there was two black men looked like they came from homeless shelters, just raggedy, and they're selling T-shirts, black and white T-shirts. And the T-shirts said, Biden sucks, Kamala blows. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And another guy was selling t-shirt that said, fuck Joe and that hoe. Dang. That, now, wow. if I was in my, if I was in my own self, if I hadn't had my family with me, I would have accosted them. I, I swear I would have. Wow. Okay. And it's just like when you look at Agent Orange and you see the, the one black guy. Yeah. Says blacks for Trump. Yep, blacks for Trump. Yeah. That's who these people are, man. I mean, you you're going to you're going to a, a race and all these people now this is Clandiana, okay? And there are people that are, you know, aren't saying anything, but they want to say something, you know? Right. And so it just kind of pissed me off. And then during the race, there was one, I'd say the guy was maybe 18, 19 years old. He had one of the shirts and he was walking through the the, the stands. And there's a couple people in front of me that wanted to high five him and shit. If I wasn't with Stephanie, he wasn't sitting with me. I would have said something. Okay. Wow. I know wow. me. I got a little bit of a devil in me at times, right. you right. know. I can I can click and I can go off and, you know, you get to me. I guess it's a Johnson trait. We can only take so much and then we go off. We click. But that was getting into the race. You know, that just just kind of pissed me off and it, it didn't spoil the race. But I just can't believe that they use these black black people, black folks to do that. And. I don't know what they were paying them to sell the t-shirts, but you know, it was, it was disgraceful. Uh, it was just, it, it was, it was shameful. Wow. Wow. It was shameful that you have black people, black folks, you know, that are, are doing that and they're used, they're using them. And, and, and you know what they're going to say? Look what we did. We made, we made those N words. Yep. Sell those T-shirts. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to call them that, you know, right, when they right. leave. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, these yeah. niggers. Look, look yeah. I made those niggers sell those shirts. Mm -hmm. You like know, Malcolm said, man, they will always find they will always find one or, you know, they'll always find one of us to to put down the race. You know, they'll always find one. And prime example right now. Besides these guys at the race, who do we have filling that role right now? Herschel Walker. <laughs> He's filling that role right now. Yeah. He is an embarrassment, man. But they they'll say, look, we're not we're not race. We got a black guy here. Yep. But it's like this guy is is he's an embarrassment, man. But again, it's it falls right into what Malcolm said. They will always find one black person that's willing to play that role to degenerate black other black people. So yeah. these guys selling those shirts, yeah, it, it, that's shameful, man. That's shameful. Yeah, yeah. And and you you mean I mean you gotta know. I, I mean really you must know that like you're disrespecting yeah they're you're being used and you can't see that you're disrespecting 
this black woman who happens to be the vice president of the United States? I mean, you don't get that. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's that's sad, man. That is really yeah. sad. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was the that part of it. Then we, you know, once we got past that, we got wow. got into the stands. What we traditionally do is that we go over to the plaza. Remember when we went over to the plaza and I showed yep. you our brick, whatever, yeah, whatnot? Yep, yep. So we go over to the plaza and we always take a family picture, okay, at the race. So we're all there. We're taking a, our picture. We did that, you know, so that was normal. Um, there, there were a lot of people there, a lot of people. Wow. So, um, you know, the race started. Um, it was really cool to see the, Thunderbirds go down, you know, and do that, you know, and then uh, uh, they started doing something else where they, during the national anthem, they go over the speedway down the main stretch. And then they'll do the back home again in Indiana. And the last part of that, they come perpendicular to the track. And, and then they do a starburst, the Thunderbirds do. And it was kind of cool because in 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 the um, throughout the racetrack, they got these big monitors. And so I, I was telling Stephanie, I said, in the past, the Thunderbirds have always gone down and they've come back and done the starburst pattern. And so they they did that and they were singing back home again and in and in. And when he hit that last note, they came like right right at us and they just kind of popped up over the grandstands wow. and did the starburst wow. i said man that was really cool <laughs> wow. you know, right at us right i mean right in front of us like right at us wow and they did the starburst you know and they drivers did their thing you know and off we went you know and the race started and uh scott dixon was the man of the hour yeah, yeah. And of course, um, about lap 100, we always go to the back stretch and get close to the um, get close to the uh, track where I, I showed you guys. Right, right. Well, interesting thing, you know, I, I showed you where the fence was. You know, it used to just be a big cable that you go across. Right. right. And as we were walking out, I said, "Look, the gate's unlocked." Remember that? Right. <laughs> well, we get back over there. And I'm walking down the, the track and I go, look, Stephanie, the gate's unlocked. She goes, is it? She goes, so she goes over and lifts the latch up. And as soon as she lifts the latch up, a car wrecked right in front of us. Whoa. <laughs> and slid it and slid onto the uh the inside of the track. So I didn't see it, but as soon as she lifted it up, I saw smoke like right where she was at. Yeah. And then the, the car ended up going across the track and ended up on the inside of the, uh, the inside, the inside wall right in front wow. of us. Alex was right down there and Broderick and his wife, Danny was on their way over. So that was kind of neat and ran into some fraternity brothers that were on the back stretch over there. So, um, right before we left to go back in the stands, I told Alex, I said, Dixon has got this thing one unless he screws <laughs> it up. And we get up in the stands, get back to our seats, and lo and behold, he comes in for a pit stop, and he's speeding, and they give him a stop and go. Yeah. Well, I guess he just screwed it up because yep. he was out front all. I, I think he led 95 laps. Wow. Yeah, you I know. saw it. I was watching it, and they said, "Oh, he's gonna get penalized." Because he's speeding, and if that happens, he just lost the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow. what the hell? I'm wow. like, man, he had the race, race one. And yeah. But you know, there were people that there was a lot of people there, man. And it was, it was, it was. It's been, it hasn't been that way for a while. Wow. You know, but uh, there was a hell of a lot of people there, and then. Wow. At the end of the race, you know, we all meet in one place, you know, and we watch them wave the checker flag. Right. Uh, the red red flag and it was different. You know, that was totally different because I've only seen a red flag in a, a 500 when they've had to like repair the wall or something like that. Yeah. And they stopped the cars. 
um, because of Jimmy Johnson wrecking, I think it was, they stopped the race and then they picked it up. They did a warm up lap and then they raced for the final two laps. And then, of course, the last lap ended with a caution. But um, yeah, Erickson uh, won the race and. Yeah. Yeah, as long as it wasn't Castro Nevis or Penske, I was I was good with it. I'm tired of those guys. Wow. But other than that, you know, we uh, did what we normally do. We we saw the checkered flag and then we boogied up out of there. Boogied so out. yeah. Uh, huh. Out of three hundred thousand people, we were back at the house in probably forty forty five minutes okay. from the okay. walking walking to the car, get loaded yeah. up. And taking off and getting back home in about 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah, amazing experience. It was really amazing experience. So. Yeah. And uh, it was it was really cool. So. Uh, yeah. Yep. It's in the books. In the books. And it's in the books. And. Uh, you I'll know. be ordering my tickets for next year's tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that was cool. I I watched it on TV and I'm like. And I'm like, yeah, I'm rooting for my man. And I'm like, yeah, Dixon's going to win. And Oh, yeah, that's right. It's your yeah, first was, experience. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was like, oh, I'm rooting for Dixon, man. And he screws it up. So. <laughs> and then uh, his roommate, I mean, his roommate, his, his uh, teammate, you know, he got penalized also. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he ended up working his way back from 30, 30th place to like 13th or maybe 18th, maybe. But uh, yeah. He had to work his way back, and that yeah. was that was a long time to get back there. You you just yeah. don't do it that quick, right? You know, back in the '90s, Wayne, there were the cars were so different as far as speed and and the people that had the good cars. In ten laps, they were lapping people. The first after the oh, first wow. ten laps, they were lapping people. There were some cars that were. 20 laps down and they had no engine problems or anything. They were just much better. Wow. You know, now there's because they've changed it and there's so much parity as far as the engines go and so on, you know, back in the nineties and so on, they had turbo charged, uh, race cars and some of them had this kind of boost and some of them had that kind of boost. And hell, I remember Michael Andretti leading the race by 10 laps. Wow. You know, now majority of the the cars were on the the same lap at the end of the race. There's only maybe two or three cars that were a couple of laps down because of some mechanical issues, but most of them were on the the the, the same lap, which yeah. was unusual 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's a great spectacle, I must say, and uh, a lot of speed, man, handling that speed. It's like, whoo. <laughs> Got to get you to come to a race sometime. Pretty cool, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, to 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 see that, and you know, I was watching, you know, the pit crews how fast they were swapping out the tires on those. I mean, it was quick. Yeah. You know, they pull in four tires, change gone. I mean, amazing, amazing. So. Yep. But yeah, so appreciate sharing those reflections. Um, any any final comments? Uh, before we sign this episode off no not really just you know hope that there's some uh, uh positive uh outcomes that come from this last shooting and uh, you know i i hope that this hatefulness in the country um i've said it many times before that some people aren't happy unless there's something or somebody to hate yeah yeah it's it's been pretty bad the you know everybody is pissed off about something i shouldn't say everybody a lot of people are pissed off about something everybody has to be um enraged about something everybody's in a big hurry for something you know hurry up and speed up everybody drives crazy it's a you know those days gone by where things were relaxed and you know everybody wasn't in such a tizzy over just about anything those days are gone i hope i hope those days come back where you know we can can positively 
do some good for our neighborhood and our state and our countries. But it's that's a big that's a that's a big if. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think I was I forgot where I heard this the other day. I said uh, somebody said it. I forgot if I was listening to Sirius XM or whatnot, but someone made the comment that all this turmoil uh, in the country, it's a lot of people are benefiting off of that. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are benefiting off of that because they don't want people to come together. That's it. They don't want people to come together. And it's that's to me is immoral that you, you, you want your country in turmoil at every corner. At, you know, that that's what you want. Hatred uh, is a moneymaker. Right. And 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 that's that's where we find ourselves, that that a lot of people are getting their pockets lined over this divisiveness that's uh, just engulfing the country. So uh, I do hope for better outcomes, uh, like you say, especially with these shootings, that someone will develop some meaningful, they'll have some meaningful dialogue and come up with something that benefits the entire country because we're in dire shape and we need it. Yep. Yes, sir. All right. All right. See, si, senor. Yeah, well, yeah. With that, we're going to bring this episode to a close. And like uh, everything else from the past, we want to um, um, wish all of our listeners, if there are any listeners out there, the, if there's anything that you would like, any topics, or if you want to comment, please do so. And we'll, we'll be here to uh, have another episode in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, we're still in our baseball's terms, like three strikes. <laughs> we are out. We're out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of the individuals and do not reflect on the official policies or positions of any government or corporation.